An artist at her heart and soul, Manel Oliphant feels her love for stories and drawing walk hand in hand. I thought I understood what she meant by that, but after listening to her story and how she truly approaches art making, I see storytelling through a new light. You can find more of her work at manelolifant.com, but for now, please join us as we talk about Manel's watercolor process, coloring your pieces without fear, using pencils with watercolor, how fundamental studies can be made fun, and how stories help us cope with hardships. Want to be part of the show? Then send in your questions or topics you'd like to see covered to our email at hello at etrelab.com. If you send us an audio recording, we might include it in the episode. Hi, I'm Anya, and this is Make More Art, a podcast by Etcher, meant to inspire you to keep on creating. Now let's hear from our guest. Okay, Manel, I have a bazillion questions for you, but starting at the very beginning, I'd love to know how you first, when and why and how you first fell in love with art. Oh, Okay. Um, I think like most people that are artists, not mm-hmm. all, but a lot, you just kind of love it from when you're a kid, right? So I just remember always loving to color, like just sitting on the floor coloring. And when I was a little kid, there was this show on TV. It was on the like public station, PBS, that was called Commander Mark. I don't remember what, Commander Mark Draws or something like huh. that. And my mom said, like I would just watch that and like try try to draw like they drew in the show. He like taught things like, I don't know, like little lessons on like perspective and stuff like that. And I don't know, I guess I was really young when I used to watch that and, and loved it. And I remember sending my drawings into the show because they would like show the drawings on TV that were really good. But I think I was like maybe seven or I don't know, five or something like that. And the people that were sending in drawings were like 13 (laughs) So they were like really good. They never showed my drawing on the show. But anyway, they're it's okay. lost. They're lost. I know, uh, I know. When I was a kid, I don't remember how old I was, but me and my sister, and my sister, uh, my elder sister is seven years older than I am. And we also had like this TV show for kids and they had like also this little section uh-huh. where they would show the drawings. And both her, she and I did this drawing together and we mailed it. And they, they showed my drawing. But for some uh-huh. reason, they said her name. I remember it so well because you were so confused and she was just like, but you're younger. My drawing should be the one be like in there. I'm like, but it's your name. So, you you know, I get the drawing, yeah. get the credits. We're all, you know, we're both happy. It's just like, what what the hell's going on? But yeah, yeah. value, like medal of honor of my childhood. You know what? So. That happened to me. Like um, there was like this magazine. I was, I'm the older sister. So there was this magazine, me and my sister both sent in drawings and they put hers in. They got the name right. They put her drawing in the magazine and I was like, but my drawing was better. I don't get it. Like, what is it? She was like, I don't know, five and I was 11 or something. Uh, yeah. So more or less the same difference. Yeah. Like, yeah. My sister was a little bit bummed because she helped me with my drawing. So she's like, I don't know. I made mine. I helped you with yours and yours. Like, this is so unfair. I'm like, well. Life's unfair, yeah. mom keeps saying life's unfair. So there you go, life lesson yeah. for you. I'm sorry, but yeah, continuing the, the thread. Yeah, no worries. I guess we all have disappointments, right? I was so happy. Yeah, younger. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. But then 
yeah, you were an artsy kid, and when did oh, you... Yeah. So, I think it was when I was about 11, my mom paid for me to take private lessons. There was just, like, a lady who, like, taught kind of, like, piano lessons, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. and it wasn't very much money, I don't think, but she, so I started taking lessons from her every week, and I think it was when I was about 15 or 16 was when my mom was like, you have to pay for your own lessons. <laughs> like, I just can't do it anymore or whatever. And you're old enough to buy your own. So after that, I figured out how to pay for my art lessons myself. And I took lessons from her for like seven years until wow. I went to college. Yeah. How did you find a curiosity, just curiosity? How, what did you do uh -huh. to get the money to pay for those lessons? Oh, man, I think lots of times it was summer jobs. Um, sometimes I actually taught my own art lessons. So like I would teach the neighborhood kids. What? Stuff. Yeah. And they would like come. My mom let me use their kitchen. I would teach them and then I would use that money to pay for my lessons. This is brilliant. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this everyone is brilliant. take note. <laughs> wow. Wow. You're my new hero. This is like, oh, this is <laughs> next level. Wow. Okay. It, you were very invested then. And then you went to college oh, yeah. to... Yes. Yeah, so I went to BYU-Idaho and majored in art there. So, yeah. Art kind the of heart forever. Yes, forever. <laughs> so looking at your social media profiles and your website, you clearly have a lot of passion for storytelling, for stories, and how they are... I mean, you did not use that word. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it felt to me like you were saying how essential they are to our development. So what to you, first of all, what do you think is the connection between stories and being an artist? Okay. I think there's a lot of things that you can do as an artist, right? So, and I feel like some artists who are brilliant, like, they're not telling stories with their art. They're, I mean, they're making a connection with someone. Maybe it's like an emotional connection or something like that. But I think for me, they always went hand in hand. Because I remember, um, you know, back to when I was a little kid drawing, watching that TV show, um, all of those things. There was a lot related to like the books I was reading mm -hmm. and um, and like, I don't know, just the things I watched on TV and the books that I read is sort of what inspired what I wanted to draw. And um, so I don't know, I think they just went together. Like I always love to draw and I always love to read. So that's, I think that just became like, you know, those two passions put together is what turned me into me, I guess. For you, art always was a synonym of storytelling. I think so, yeah. Like, I even remember, like, when I took those art lessons, my art teacher was really good at, um, she had, like, a good drawing foundation and a lot of, she was a fine artist, so she did a lot of, like, still life painting and portrait painting, and I learned a lot from her about that, but then I would, like, come in with these, like, pictures that were, like, dragons knights fighting dragons and like I don't know just random you know fairies like things that I still like to draw now I like mm -hmm. to draw then so um 
I think she kind of sometimes didn't know what to do with me because like her, like she was always encouraging, but I don't think it, like she related to art in that way. Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah, so, but yeah, I, I just know, like, I'm so grateful for that foundation that she gave me. And then, um, I always had these other things going on where it was just like, I just really want to tell these stories. And there were other students that she taught that were like me that like, we read some of the same like dragon books, and then we would talk about the dragon books, and then we would draw dragons. And I don't know, stuff like that. So wow. Yeah, I I love that. Because to me, it's, it's kind of the same. I see art as a way of communication and story as something very essential to our development as human beings. So that's what I would also like you to expand a little bit on. So why are stories so important? Okay. I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, so we'll just do some of my favorite ones, the ones <laughs> that I kind of ponder, I guess. So one of the things I love about stories is the way that it helps you connect with people. So mm-hmm. for example, Um, my youngest sister is 19 years younger than me. So you can imagine that like, yeah, so there's a, we have, there's eight kids in my family, right? So she's the youngest and I'm the oldest. And so I feel like for my family and, um, just like that span of ages, like stories is kind of one of the things that helps us connect. So like, you can all go see the same movie. And even though you have like different experiences, individually like you sort of like share that experience yeah you know what I mean so Uh then like gives you something to relate to so obviously this can happen to anyone like that's why there's like fan groups of like everyone that loves Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter you know like Mm -hmm. online there we have the same experience we all love it we can talk to each other about it even though like our backgrounds and everything are so different so um yeah, so back to my little sister, I feel like that's one of the things that I can relate to her with. Like, we have this huge, like, span of years that's different, but then, like, we can both watch, like, Tangled and be like, I love Tangled, you know, like, together. So um, I feel like that's one of my favorite things about stories is that it helps us connect mm-hmm. with, with each other. So there's one. Um, one of my other favorite things is just how um, stories help you kind of process, right? Mm-hmm. Like, stuff that happens in your life so I think um looking back on my like love for reading there's a lot of things where you like you sort of watch a character do something Mm -hmm. or or read a character doing something for me it's always a picture in my brain so I'm watching this character do something and of course like there's times where you're just like you're hoping that they're going to make the right choice right and if it's a good story you know what the right choice is and the character is probably struggling with it. Um, So then you can like watch them do that. And then when something comes up in your life that might not even be the same, you sort of already like lived through that. And so then you can kind of make a better choice, hopefully, right? For your life. I thought about it like that. That's very unique. And I'm realizing I've been doing that without even... Yeah. Knowing. Wow. <laughs> right. Hey, that's nice. <laughs> These are just thoughts I have in my brain. Who knows? Like, you never know, right? If they're like. Both makes sense. Do you have useful. any like real life example where that happened um, to you? Okay. So it's kind of personal. So it'll be big. But like I was reading a story. It was like, I was an adult, but it was like a middle grade book about a girl that got a pet dragon. I can't even remember what it was called. I can remember what the picture on the cover looks like, but 
anyway, um, for her to be able to like control the dragon, she sort of had to like give in and like do like, I don't know, give in to the dragon and like become one with it. It sounds so weird, like no, out of the I get of story, right? So, but so I was like reading it and there was like a choice that I was struggling with. I guess this is where I'll be vague, where I like kind of didn't want to do something, but like I read through about her commitment and I was just like, okay, like you just need to commit. This one is like really specific, right? Like, so I was, I like read the book and I was like, okay, you, you have to commit to this choice. So then I did. And obviously everything turned out great, but like, I feel like usually it's not quite so straightforward as that, but yeah, that's like for the sake of giving an example, it needs to be straightforward. So it clicks and makes sense, but I can see, and it's hard to give a convoluted example because then you would need a lot of background that, yeah. So it, I understand what you're saying and it does make sense when dealing with something new in your life and you don't know what choice to make because well there are no safe points or go back a few pages Mm -hmm. with life you just have to make a decision and live with it it's good to have some kind of comparison even and I love how even if it's from a fantastical world the principle Mm -hmm. the empathy the feelings are the same so you can yeah it's like exactly what you said It, it helps you process that's like I'm going over all the stories that I loved in the characters that I love in just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this has really helped me. I once um, listened to this TED talk that says, like, I don't remember. It was a young lady who gave this TED talk. She was super charismatic, but she was talking about stories and characters. And she was saying, uh, all of us have one superhero or villain, like one character in the story that we hate. We mm-hmm. really don't like that character at all. And then we have someone who we love. And if we look closely at that, we realize that the one that we hate represents the thing in us that we hate the most, that we don't like about us. And the one that we love represents our biggest, like the, 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 the best of us that we really love. Mm. So they yeah. both are a representation of you, just different sides. And I'm like, but I hate the Hulk. Oh my God, man, I'm mad i'm like awful <laughs> this is so true i need to work on that so that that really clicked for me so. that's cool yeah that's i don't think i've ever thought of thought of anything like that but that's yeah so interesting yeah stories are a maze other things that you love about yeah. the, that you love about stories so it was the idea like we were just talking about fantasy stories obviously i kind of love fantasy that's all we've talked about as you read other stories sometimes <laughs> but i think i love fantasy for the fact that you can like say really important things mm-hmm. like maybe about like issues that are happening now that are like supercharged but like you sort of can disguise a less life lesson in a fantasy book um, that may so then maybe like it puts space between like the reader or the watcher in the story and they can like think about that issue in a different way mm-hmm. without without all the like emotions that come from like being in the present moment and worrying that like you're gonna die or your country's gonna fall apart or whatever it is it you know what I mean sense. yeah yeah anyway it helps to rationalize very emotional subjects. It's, it's yeah. therapy, basically. Put it in your yeah. It's kind of, you know, a form of therapy. Wow. That's really cool. So, I mean, and, and just, just a, a side note, and I was just, as you were saying that, the same thing kind of happens to uh, music. 
when you know the song is also like a story not always sometimes it's just like a couple mm-hmm. of sentences repeated all the time but when the song is a story and people relate to that song I- i'm just thinking of what you just said it's a storytelling thing and it helps process a lot of emotions too so i love how storytelling is so powerful and then is it correct in saying that art making is a way to give form to a story because you can just like music i mean you can turn a story mm-hmm. into a song and that's a way to make it alive but then art is the other way another way to just make it a living thing that makes sense to me <laughs> i guess like i'm sort of thinking maybe it's maybe just another way to communicate like music is a way to communicate it's certain emotions and stories and art is that same thing it can communicate emotions and stories i feel like there's more on that list emotions stories other things mm-hmm. that you need to communicate so yeah i think so maybe that's and like if you look at all the art that's pretty much what it is like you know dancing or whatever it's mm-hmm. a it's a way of communicating and I don't know. I think that's why it's so essential, right? Like it's hard to put like a monetary value on, but like everybody sort of needs it in some way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, don't I know. agree with you, especially because it's one of the human beings most essential survival thing is connection and communication. And that's what stories and art are. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Now, after this very beautiful philosophical uh, rant, <laughs> let's dive in and talk a little bit about your beautiful work, which is also very poetic in its own way. Um, so you're mainly a watercolor artist, is that accurate? Uh, yes, I think so. Yeah. So what do you love about think... watercolor? Go ahead. Oh, okay, watercolor. Let's. I love. I I think one of the reasons like I gravitated towards it is because it's easy to clean up okay so like that's just a practical like I mean I don't have like a space where I can paint like with oils or acrylics I mean I think that's why people like digital too right obviously Mm digital is even easier to clean Mm -hmm. up than watercolor but like you know when I first graduated from college and I was like living back in a bedroom in my parents basement like there wasn't space to like get out oil paint and stuff and I still wanted to practice so I think that's one of the things that I like about watercolor but it's there's more than that I love that like those moments it's sort of a struggle I think painting is always kind of a struggle but then you have like those moments where it like works perfectly Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. and um so when watercolor sort of works perfectly it like does the thing where it like paints itself right like you just like put the paint down and it can like run or not. And for, and like in that moment, you're like, boy, did it right. And it like painted itself and it looks so beautiful and fresh and stuff like, so I think that satisfying, I think that happens with all the mediums, right? They all have their own like thing that like, that's why you love it is like, I don't know, getting in that zone, that artsy zone. And (laughs) anyway, I love it. I was watching some of your um, reels on Instagram of yourself painting. And one of them you were talking about how you let uh, you sketch in pencil and you let the pencil, you know, see through the watercolor. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit 
more about how you so because a lot of artists like to try like we use the pencil and we try to hide it but you have a completely different approach so why and how and okay so I think one of the reasons I made that reel was just because I got that question a lot like people mm -hmm. were like well what do you do with the pencil and my answer is I don't do anything <laughs> with it it's just there so um one of the reasons I like watercolor is the like transparent part of it obviously it's a different thought process if you're painting you know oil or watercolor or digital watercolor dark to light or light to dark right mm -hmm. so um after doing watercolor so much it's easier for me to think that way this is going to get back around to the pencil I hope because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> um but so I think what it is is a lot of lot of people especially if you've been painting digital acrylic or oil paint you're thinking about um thinking about it the opposite way you're covering up everything mm -hmm. if that makes sense watercolor is not like that so it's sort of meant to build on itself so i guess in that sense the pencil drawing is like your foundation drawing yeah. right like your foundation of the painting so when i'm drawing the pencil and i think this just comes with practice is you start to know like certain things are going to show through so there you after practicing a while you kind of learn like how your pencil drawing should look for a watercolor painting if that makes sense it does make so, sense yeah because it's kind of different than like just sketching in your sketchbook or something I don't do a lot of shading with my watercolor pencil drawings, like mm -hmm. pretty much none. Every once in a while I do on purpose to maybe experiment or something, but overall they're just line drawings, pretty cleaned up and simple. So, so before you put watercolor on paper, you clean up the pencil so it looks a certain way or do you embrace the messiness of the pencil? Um, I usually clean it up. So actually my process is I'll sketch my sketch on regular paper mm -hmm. and then scan it in and then clean it up on the computer oh. and then and then print it out on watercolor paper oh. and then usually I'll do the printout lighter because um even though like I try to get my sketch as good as possible sketching it there's always stuff I want to change when I'm painting so I'll do the sketch kind of light print it on the paper and then redraw again on top of itself with pencil oh. That's smart. Yeah. So it's nice because if I mess up the painting, I can just print out another sketch and try again. Like you don't have to like, Go like oh, I worked so hard on this again. drawing and now it's ruined. And also so, you know, it takes uh, away the pressure of, okay, I have this one drawing. If the colors don't go mm -hmm. right, oh my God, oh my God. And you ruin it because <laughs> you're so yes. stressed out. Yeah. Just like, All that pressure is gone. So yeah. So that's what I usually do. So I, there's kind of a process so like the drawing process is still messy and then I'll just I'll kind of clean it up before I do the painting okay gorgeous I love it uh, you, you're making me want to just stop everything that I'm doing and uh, go back to the drawing table thank yeah, you hopefully everyone listening feels uh, that way I'm too. sure I'm <laughs> sure they will I'm sure, like I'm super pumped already um when you when you paint with watercolor up until now what has been the hardest thing to overcome by learning the medium okay um that's hard because 
it's all kind of hard, right? <laughs> like, like there's times where I'm sitting, every artist does this, where you have those moments where you're like staring at a painting and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> how, why did I even decide to do this? Like, and it's hard to say. Yeah, because like, that's not exactly what the thought process is, right? Like, in your mind, it's not like you actually don't know what you're doing, because in your mind, you're like, I've done this hundreds of times. But um, there's just a moment where it's, yeah, you're sitting there wondering what to do next, I think. So I guess the hard part is, is like working through that. It's sort of like a process of like sitting. And I have horrible habits. And so I usually am watching TV while I'm drawing or listening to a book and then I'll like get to one of those points and then I'll be like oh I don't know what to do here so I guess I'll play Candy Crush for a while till I run out of lives and see see what happens but like it really is just kind of a process of like I don't know sitting and waiting and I probably make it harder by distracting myself so I think that might be the hardest True, true. There was one time, there was at least one day that I, I couldn't draw anything for the sake of, like, I have, I'm like, I want to draw something today because I haven't drawn in a while. So I just, um, I'm like, okay, I know. I'm just going to look at a pretty ladies reference just so I have mm-hmm. a spark of an idea of what I want to do. And then I started going into the loophole, rabbit hole of like looking into references and not doing anything. Mm-hmm. so it took me like one hour until I actually grabbed the pencil and did something but um but hey all of this to say that sometimes distractions are necessary mm-hmm. unless you spend one hour looking at references which is I, I do not advise that to anyone <laughs> sometimes though that is part of the process though right because I don't know did you find later that like the pictures you had looked at helped no, I was really distracted. If I know oh, what okay. you mean, sometimes <laughs> I spend like hours looking at reference when I'm actually working on a project and I need to know mm-hmm. how something you know works and how I would move it in space. Then I spend hours looking at reference and it kind of is frustrating because I feel like, dang, I'm losing, wasting, quote unquote, mm-hmm. so much time that I'm not drawing when actually you're just preparing your mind and your body to do the right thing it's like that super famous story of the axe and the 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 trees like the story that i'm a lot of people know which is if if i give you an axe and tell you that you have one hour to chop down as many trees as you can uh if you're smart you're going to spend almost an entire hour just sharpening the axe because if it's sharp then you can cut down a lot of trees faster but if it's dull you can waste all your energy and all your time and nothing is going to come out of it mm. so it's you know it's yeah yeah it's sort of like a balancing process really right because you could spend the whole hour sharpening the axe and then like the hour's up and you didn't do anything exactly so, <laughs> so yeah yeah there you go Oh, the balance is so bad. Well, there are there are many ways to go about around it. So it's like you give yourself the morning to look over at references and build mm. a board on Pinterest or something, and then you have the afternoon to actually do the art and no more looking at references, like mm. yeah, no, no more no like internet you gathering. Have. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, Candy so Crush. True. Um, maybe not a good yeah. idea. 
I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'll do productive stuff. Like, well, the other day someone asked me, I think they were asking me if I used a blow dryer on my watercolor. Oh. And the answer is, yeah, sometimes I do. And, but sometimes like instead of blow drying, I'll just like let my paint dry Grab and I'll coffee. walk away and do something else. Right. So go on a walk or practice the piano or I don't know, eat Get lunch, out. something like that. And then when you come back, your mind is fresh. The painting is dry. You're ready to go on so the. True. I remember this one time I was having a huge hard time trying to get the color of the sky scene right. Mm -hmm. And I was going insane. And my husband was like, hey, enough. Just come with me. Let's go out for a walk. And I'm like, okay. And the sun was setting and the color in the sky was beautiful. And I'm like, oh, this is what I was missing. And blah, 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 <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And like, well, yeah, sometimes. So true. You just need to get yeah. out of the zone and get a fresh loaf of air. Um Talking about, okay, we're, we're ranting a lot about processes, which is fun. And I could uh, rant for <laughs> hours if if, <laughs> if you only got to, got to know me a little bit more. I would, ah, uh, you cannot open rent topics with me. I will not shut up. Your live demo. You are doing a live demo with us on February 27th. And what mm -hmm. will you be doing on that day? So we're just going to paint a mermaid. Oh. This is what oh. we're going to do. So with watercolor. So, yeah you'll get a sketch if you want or you can draw your own and then I'll just kind of go through so it will be a lot I mean a lot about just watercolor techniques and how I use them I guess more in depth than like the Instagram reels or anything like that or even like I have short videos on my Patreon too that are longer than the Instagram reels and this will be even longer than that so and we will yeah. link to your Patreon and your website on the post associated with this episode. So just go to our post at etcherlab.com forward slash Manel and you'll find all the links there so you can check it out and support Manel on her Patreon. Um, and I'm glad that you brought the mermaid up because we do have a question from our audience for you from Sarah Beth Art Adventure. She asked what inspired your mermaid book? Okay. Um, that's one, that's pretty easy. It was just mermaid. Uh, so <laughs> it was a combo, I guess, between mermaid and, um, just my love for like Arthur Spiderwick's field guide mm -hmm. and like Iris's beautiful fairy book and those, you know, kind of field guidey fantasy books. And yeah, so it was mermaid. Um, you know, I love storytelling. So the first one I did was in 2018. And it was just kind of like a fake journal. Like, mm -hmm. like when I first posted people like I was like, me and my husband were on a trip to see mermaids around the world. And some of my friends were like, I like literally thought that you were on a trip. <laughs> like around the world because I think I even like location tagged in Instagram oh, like the places where I was going even though I was just sitting at my house in Utah like drawing like anyway so yeah the, so some people the were places like, that you tagged ah oh, this is beautiful I love that idea the places uh -huh. that you tag were they somehow related to the references that you picked for the yeah so the story was just um us on a boat so like we went down to Antarctica and like saw some mermaids down there. So I lo location tagged it and then moved up, you know, South America. There were some places there and then over to Europe. I don't know. It was just sort of random. It was kind of like whatever mermaid I felt like drawing that day. And then I would be like, 
where would this mermaid live? Or like, how would I get there from like the last place I supposedly was, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like a fake trip around the world that I just did throughout the month. And that was really fun. Um, the, but then the next year I was kind of like, I really want to try if like I had a story, like a full fledged story. Cause that was just like pieces, right? Like a little thing of like, I don't know. I don't even know if you'd call it a full story. You would, but it wasn't at the same time. Like it didn't anyway. But yeah, so the next year I wrote like a short story. It's like 5,000 words, which turned out to be way too long. But, um, and, and then like made my art journal according to this character. So it was as if the character was writing, writing it. And so I just kind of built from there. I love it. And I mean, fixed fake trip around the world you actually went around the world in your imagination you cannot say that. yes <laughs> you did go on a journey uh, i love that i really ah, you are a storyteller oh thanks <laughs> you are a storyteller okay uh manel is there anything you'd like to mention leave our audience before we wrap up this lovely discussion Um, sure. I think that, um, sometimes when I listen to podcasts of people talking, like I'll come away, maybe not everyone does this, but I'll come away being like, oh my gosh, I have to be like that person. They're so cool. (laughs) Which that'd be awesome if you all thought I was cool, but like, uh, like I'll, I'll like kind of think, think like that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But what I found, um, is the best is to focus on like having fun with your art. Like forget about like style and I don't know, maybe I guess having fun first and then maybe giving it a purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes like the purpose can just be for you. Like it doesn't have to be to like change the world because like if you're creating something and it's making you happier, then your life is better and that changes the world, right? (laughs) If you're a mom and you're happier, your kids are going to be happier. Your husband is going to be happier, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, um, so focus on having fun with your art, like do the things that sound the most fun for you, like paint fairies. If you like love to paint fairies, but if you like kind of think they're dumb, like that's totally legit. (laughs) Like you, you can go paint portraits, like just whatever, is fun. And like, if you just want to do like lettering, like that's really, if you go on Instagram, that's what people are doing. The ones that like have big followings, they're just like, I love doing this thing. And that's the key word. They love doing it. That's the key word. Yeah. They love it. So they're happy. So yeah, just focus on that. Like, forget about like, if you want to be a professional artist, forget about like a style, just focus on having fun. And, you know, I think for me, part of focusing on having fun is like trying to get better as an artist. So I'm like studying hands and stuff, but it's usually related to a picture. Like I have less fun if I'm like, I'm just going to study hands, which I do sometimes do that. But if I'm like, I'm going to draw this picture and I want the hands to be awesome. And then I start studying hands so that I can like make the, the... yeah, it's way more fun. So um, like do that and you're going to get better and it's going to be more fun and yeah. What are your thoughts on storytelling? Are they essential? Do they influence your art in any way? Or do you forget about it when you create? Please tell us your thoughts in the comment section of the post associated with this interview at etcherlab.com forward slash Manel. 
That's etchrlab.com forward slash m-a-n-e-double-l-e. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, simply let us know in the comment section below. If you're enjoying the podcast, please help us keep the show alive. You can subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts at etcherlab.com forward slash go forward slash Apple. Or if you're more of a YouTube viewer, please make sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our most recent videos. Sharing is caring and every little bit helps. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Until then, let's make more art. <laughs>